0: Amen. That, that is such a great video, very close friends of our family, and um, just to see God work in that whole situation and uh, preserve not only Mark's life, but uh, to use Karen as an awesome example of faith and trust in that moment, and um, knowing it will one day be shared for all of us to hear and to be encouraged by, and, and that's the whole point of the comfort series that we're doing here this Christmas. You see, when the angels showed up on that hillside to the shepherds, they said, fear not, for we bring you good tidings. And of course, the songs have added glad tidings of comfort and joy. But part of traversing this pilgrim journey that we're all on is going through suffering and difficulty. We encounter suffering on this earth because of sin, we make mistakes, sin is part of this life, they're suffering because of sin, disease, struggle. Sinners, we get wounded by others. We wound people. And so there's relational struggles. And then Satan, we have a real enemy who is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And so we go through trouble as we are going through life. One day we'll be safely home in the sheepfold. But until that day, we have a shepherd who says, I will guide you through that. I will walk with you through that. And there will be difficult times along the way, but take heart, I've overcome them, and I'm gonna go with them through you, and I'm gonna see you through them. And and so we're getting a chance to be comforted and then share that comfort, and that's exactly what the Wigners did on that video. God gave comfort to them so that they could comfort us with that. And I pray you were encouraged with it, whether you're at home with us today, whether you're part of our in-person audience or, or whether you're in one of our watch group rooms. It is so good that you've gathered with us. We pray that we'll continue to be a comfort to you in a season that is discomforting. I mean, we are surrounded by voices of fear. We're surrounded by voices of tension. We're surrounded by voices penetrating into our lives that bring anxiety. In fact, it's being called an epidemic of anxiety now that is hitting us, not only now emotionally, but with all our countries going through, it's infecting us in many different ways as we just continue to walk through this year of 2020. And so we thought, what better things to do than to than focus on comfort in a season where I think we desperately need it. You know, today what I wanna do as we continue um, is is share some comfort that God has given me um, throughout my life from the wisdom of counselors to the study of scripture to even this personal series where God's been comforting me with the word of God. I wanna share it with you. And so a lot of this is coming out of my own devotional life and my own, my own effort in the word of God to comfort myself with his words. And I pray you hear them and it blesses you this morning. In fact, I pray through the whole month of December, you're just comforted by the good tidings of great joy from scripture. You know, Jesus, our Messiah came and he'd offered us life and he'd offered us to be our shepherd we focused that on last week and and it really brought so much comfort to so many people to look at Psalm 23 with a fresh perspective. And, And it's so great to hear about the God who provides for us and goes with us. But what about dealing with danger? What about dealing with fear? What about dealing with the fact that there are people who wish evil on believers? or maybe even you? What what do we do with that? You know, I think at any point in our life, there's probably been a time where we felt scared, okay? Kids, I bet it's happened to you at times where you felt scared at night. I mean, young kids out there, have you ever been going upstairs and mom and dad are already in the bedrooms and you started up the steps only to sprint up the rest of the steps? for fear that maybe something's trailing you, right? I mean, we've all come across times, and I can remember a specific time in my life where I was really struggling, sleeping at night. I would get scared in the middle of the night, and it brought me great fear. And so I remember going and getting a BB gun and putting it by my bed, I was probably 11, 12, it was right by my bed, I had my BB gun, I I had my door shut, I was locked and loaded, ready to go, okay, my mom and dad were in real threat at any moment that I could just unload on them when they opened the door, I I was just feeling anxious, I I remember one specific night, I I was just so scared, I'd sleep in my parents' room, I know no young people have ever done that, right, but but I can tell you this, all right, Every one of our children, at one season in their life, has slept in our bedroom at the foot of our bed. I mean, even last night, no, no, not last night, that's not true, but, but there have been times of that where you feel security, being around other people, and when, and when you get alone, you feel that fear. Well, it was really bothering me, and I remember one time saying to my dad, 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 I just, I, just, I don't feel, good. I feel like there's, there's, now this wasn't last year, you understand. But I feel like there's a boogeyman in my room. And you know what my dad said to me? I think it was the third time I woke him up that night. We lived in a row home. He had to go down the hallway to my parents' room. They'd hear me coming. My dad said, the only boogeyman in your room is gonna be me if you don't go back to bed. (laughs) I went back to bed. But I had heard that there's things you can do to protect yourself while you're sleeping. Now, obviously, my blanket is a, a great security guard as well as the gigantic lion stuffed lion I had in my bed but I heard there were other techniques to protect me you see living in a row home you come into the row home there's a little bit of a hallway there's a staircase that goes straight up and then off to your left is a living room as you go up the staircase there's a bedroom and that first bedroom door is the one the robber would go to first that was mine I'm the first door and I knew this, so I thought, I've got to be more careful. I've got to protect myself. There's danger all around me. I mean, who doesn't pick in all of Percasee my house? It's going to be me. It's going to be me. So I came up with a plan. I heard this. If you take coins and put them in a cup, put them on the handle of the door, when the robber or the boogeyman opens the door, the coins will fall over and you'll hear the coins, and you'll jump into action. I don't know what action I thought I'd jump into, but I thought this was wisdom. And so this is what I did. I got a cup, I filled it with coins. This is great. Went into my bedroom, shut the door, put the coins on the knob like this. I'll show you where. I'm... Put them on like that. And then when they turn the knob, they're gonna fall over. This is great. It's like Home Alone 7. <laughs> I go to bed. This is beautiful. Nobody's coming into my room without me knowing. Let's just test it. What a beautiful plan. But then I thought, there's a problem. He's already at my door. He's already in the house. I, I'm, I'm, I need to do this to our downstairs door because then I have time to get out my window when I hear the coins. I mean, this is the stuff going through Christopher's head. I was always prone to being worried about my life and I have always needed people in my life to go, Chris, hey, hey, go to bed. It's gonna be fine. And so here, let me speak this here. There are gonna be people hearing a sermon on fear and go, I don't know what the big deal is. But I bet God has probably put you near someone who is terrified often to be a voice of comfort to them. How many times have I had people say, hey, Chris, God's got this. Hey, Chris, God's in control. Hey, Chris, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna work itself out. I've had people speak into my life And I want to speak into people's lives that same comfort. We asked last week, are you a voice of comfort in your house or a voice of fear and anxiety? If we want to be voices of comfort, then we have to know comforting things to share with people who might be scared. And if you're here today and fear is crippling you, first of all, stop punishing yourself and stop beating yourself up and stop calling yourself a wimp or whatever. Stop it. We're all sheep in this room. We're all sheep, scripture tells us. We all scare easily. We all get turned upside down and can't get up at times. We all follow the crowd. We all get filled with anxiety in some kind of level. And somebody might be a tough guy at night, but you show him his bank account and he's stressed. We demonstrate fear in very different ways at times. And where some might be very scared, of an epidemic, somebody be more scared of the market. Wherever you're at today, whatever fears, especially in the area of your life, I believe scripture wants to speak words of comfort into that today. And so if you know someone in your life who is very fearful right now, or if it's you, I pray you walk out today comforted by the words of God. You know, as I've gotten older, um, I've gotten over some of my boogeyman fears. Praise God! Just worked through them last weekend. But, but, but there are other things that can weigh on me at times. And, and I was sharing some of the challenges of at sometimes being at least locally a, a public figure and things like this with a friend. And this was throughout the year. And I was just saying that this, this happened and you know, I got this, this. And they just jokingly said, you know what, Chris, you ought to get a bodyguard. And I thought, all right, one, I'm not that important, dude. But two, I thought that would be Awesome. I mean, how many of you would love to have a bodyguard? Let's think about this for a second. Let, let's actually, you know, ruminate on this idea of having a bodyguard. I mean, what would life be like if you came into church today or you're at home and somebody ushered you in, sat you down at your seat, checked around the room, and then, and then yeah, I'd be like, ooh, ooh who's this? Bodyguard. And I got thinking, what would I look for in a bodyguard? You go, Chris, you got issues, but this is the way I think. What do I even look for in a bodyguard? And so I did a little fun Google search. What are the top characteristics of bodyguards? Do you know there are sites upon sites about what to look for in a bodyguard? This is clearly something researched, I found out. Okay, this world's a little more scared than I thought. So, so I started thinking what would I do, and I was looking at the list, and I, I was like, what would I be looking for in a bodyguard? And I came up with four characteristics, okay? that that oh this would be this would be an elite bodyguard to have okay i wouldn't want to pay for this i just you know would want this in my life one i'd want them to be powerful you say, oh yeah, big, strong. Yeah, that's great, but I want to be powerful. I want to have access to anything. I want to be able to call ahead. I want to. There's, there's certain people you get told in your life that people will pick up a phone for them when they call. I want somebody powerful that, that man, they're in control of the situation. I don't have to stress out. I'll tell you what, we have a security team at church. When I know they're locked, locked and loaded for the day of, what we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. Chris, we're all set, ready to go. I just, man, they're in control. I, I want a bodyguard that's Powerful and in control of any situation, and I can trust them to be ahead of the game and be on top of it. But secondly, I want a bodyguard who's attentive. They say the greatest characteristic to look for in somebody who's a bodyguard is, is awareness. They need to be aware of all situations. It was a few years back we had a Navy SEAL attending at our church at the time. He's been since stationed, and we went out. To, to talk. He said, Hey, I'd love to take you out to dinner sometime, Chris, and talk. And we went out and talked to him. And as we were talking, he was talking about the difference between me, a civilian, and him, a SEAL. And it was extremely um, humbling to hear how he viewed civilians. But at the same time, I was encouraged by it too. But he's like, for example, you just are sitting here having lunch, right? I said, Yeah. He goes, You know what room table I picked? Um my back's to the wall, there's nothing behind me. I can see the entire restaurant from here. She walked in over there, he's over there. They're having an argument at their table. This couple right here, I'm watching this, and then this guy over here, he's looked at me four times. I said, dude, just, just eat. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like really intrigued by all this. I'm like, tell me more. He goes, let's talk about the parking lot for a minute. And he went through the parking lot. I'm like, man, is every, a- incredibly attentive. I want somebody like that. I want somebody that nobody's gonna sneak up on them. Nobody's gonna sneak up on them. Nothing's gonna surprise them and they're prepared for attack at all times. I want an attentive bodyguard. You know what else? I want a protective one too. I want a guard who'd be willing to sacrifice even his life for me. I mean, he might have to take a bullet for me, if you will, right? That's often the phrase. I want him attentive. I want him powerful, and I want a defender. I want someone who's willing to sacrifice. Chris, I'll do whatever it takes to assure you arrive safely through this event. Oh man, that sounds good. But then, but then here's a characteristic I wouldn't have thought through, but they say it's extremely imperative to bodyguards and it's loyalty. They say the better the bodyguard knows who he's defending or who she's defending, the more apt they are to do a better job. And so a developed relationship will bring even more power to a bodyguard. Man, I want a loyal bodyguard. Somebody who who really brings a calming factor that they have my best interest in mind, they have me in mind, and they want to go with me wherever I'm at because they're extremely loyal to our relationship. Some of you are insightful people and you know where I'm going with this. But I got thinking... It's great to see Jesus, the good shepherd, in his providing role in Psalm 23 and his guiding role and his leading role as he shepherds his sheep. But is there a text in scripture that can speak to me when I'm feeling scared for my life? Is there a text in scripture that can speak to me when I feel like I'm in grave danger? There have been times where you're having a perfectly normal day and you find yourself in horrific danger, like Mark and Karen. I've heard stories of my dad who worked in Philadelphia when I was especially a young boy. He said, you'd be on the subway train feeling safe and within two stops, you feel like you're in tremendous danger. Are there passages I can lean into when I desire a bodyguard? And that today is our tiding of comfort. We're gonna walk up to a sheepfold and we're gonna meet not just the good shepherd, but we're gonna meet what we'll call today the keeper. The keeper. It comes from a Hebrew word, shamar. Shamar means guard. Scripture gives us beautiful characteristics of the greatest bodyguard of all. And the one David knows very well. I pray today will be an encouragement as we look at this. Heavenly Father, use this text today to bless us. Use this text to encourage us, and yes, Lord, use this text to comfort us. May we hear your voice, and may we listen to only your voice, for there are so many voices on social media, on on TV, through the radio, whatever it is, they're speaking fear and dread, sometimes even our closest friendships. Lord, we need to hear the voice of comfort speaking into our lives. And Lord, in turn, may we go comfort others with that same word, amen. Okay, so here's where we're gonna go. We're gonna talk about the keeper today and we're gonna do so by going to an illustration Jesus gave when he also gave the good shepherd illustration, and that is the Gospel of John, chapter 10, where Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he's giving them some characteristics of the shepherd, who he is. He begins by simply saying this, and I don't want you to miss this. Truly, truly, I say to you, now, if I walked in and said, truly, truly, I say to you, you go, Chris, why are you doing that? You know, you, you're quoting Jesus. Because, I mean, he's known for that. Truly, truly, you might know this one. Verily, verily, right? Right? Um, now, modern society, as it moved forward from Scripture, um, hear ye, hear ye, all these things. But, but truly, truly, what is this? Now, just jump into seminary for a second, and, and, a, and a scholar who studies textual criticism will say, this is what's often called a double amen. Okay, now a double amen is only interesting if you know what amen means, okay? So when you say, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, what are you talking about? Okay, what are you even saying? All right, what is amen? When a preacher says amen, and we all go amen, what are we even saying? Well, within the phrase amen carries the idea of let it be so, or it is true. You can really carry both of those ideas into it. Let it be so, let it be so, it is true, it is true. But what's really neat when Jesus speaks truly, truly, he speaks it in such a way that not only is this amen and amen, let it be so, let it be so, It is, this is true, this is true, and I can verify it by first-person experience. I am the truth behind this truth. And so, as one commentator said, whenever Jesus says, truly, truly, you better listen, listen. Okay? So, truly, truly, I say to you, he wants to tell us something about himself, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. I'm sorry, Chris. I like your little cup illustration, but robbers don't go, hello, coming in. All right, they're going through the window. They're gonna smash it. They're gonna go in. Jesus says, you all know this about the sheepfold. The the. the He who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, a man's a thief. They're coming in, they're coming after the sheep. The shepherd comes up to the door. We know this, guys, you know this. And the disciples would say, we do know this. We're very aware of how sheepfolds work. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, and to him the gatekeeper opens. Now this is interesting. Jesus says the shepherd walks up to the door and there's a gatekeeper. There's a shamar, there's a guardian. And when the shepherd comes up, if he's an authenticated shepherd, he says the gate goes, keeper goes, go on in. Okay, I'm tracking with you. All right. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not only that, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Jesus says, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voices of strangers. This is interesting. Jesus is painting quite a picture here. He says, you guys know this. A shepherd comes up to the door, and obviously it's not a door with a wreath on it. This is our sheepfold for today. The shepherd comes up, and the gatekeeper goes, yeah, you're one of the shepherds. So what's going on here? See, this is the importance of not only literal not only grammatical, but of historical, okay, background to a text. Historical background is the more we understand about shepherding in ancient Palestine, the more this illustration will come to life. You say, what do you mean? Okay, in every village, there was often a very large sheepfold. You say, okay. Now within that sheepfold, they would, they would store or they would house Multiple flocks, really, yeah, multiple flocks. So there might be three shepherds housing their flocks in one large flock in the public arena. And so the shepherds would come to the gate. The gatekeeper would recognize them as a shepherd of these sheep and say, yes, you've paid me to guard these sheep for you. You're coming for them? Yeah, I wanna take them out to pasture. I'm not calling Jebediah sheep or somebody. I'm coming for my sheep. And so the gatekeeper would say, yes, you're authenticated. Yep, yep, you signed here. We had the contract. Go on in. And and Jesus says, the shepherd then calls for the sheep. And he says, I don't just have a call. I I call them by name. This shepherd knows his sheep so well, he calls them by name. And, and, and the, the shepherd would call them with a signal or, or whatever, and the sheep would hear his voice. His sheep would hear his voice, and they would come. You know, I had a chance to watch some, some YouTube videos on shepherding, okay? I'm just trying to get a plethora of knowledge on this thing, because I'm not a shepherd, and I may mess up this illustration, so the shepherds out there, just go easy on me, okay? I'm trying. But... It's very interesting to see sheep and how they respond to their shepherd's voice even today in modern time. There was a class, a school group that was taken to a sheepfold and they all stood alongside. You can watch the video and the kids are going, I don't even know what they're saying. But the shepherd's got this little call for his sheep and the shepherd's telling the classmates, call them, call them. Kids are laughing. Sheep aren't even looking. They're just there. Not, there's not even one curious one. The one lamb who goes, what are you weird kids doing? They don't even look up. It's hilarious. And the kids are going, da-da-da, they're trying everything. And then the shepherd says, okay, my turn. And he's got his LL bean jacket on. He's not holding a shepherd's staff or anything. And he goes, you ready? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. La-da-da-da, da da da. da 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 They all look up. It's am- you see them all. There's like 40 of them. They look up, da 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 and they start coming towards him, and they start racing, and all the kids are like, oh my word, and they all come. They refuse to listen to these kids, but they knew their shepherd's voice, and when they recognized their shepherd's voice, they came. Jesus is sharing this story, and when you have the village in mind, you realize that there's power to this. It's a figure of speech, Jesus says. So so continuing our text, he says this, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, John says, but they did not understand what Jesus was saying to them. Jesus was trying to illustrate to them. Let's go to that sheepfold in the village. Jesus is basically saying this, and I'm gonna bring this figure of speech to life. Now, you remember what a figure of speech is, right? Some of you kids are like, oh my word, we just got out of school for Christmas break, please don't take us back. But see, a figure of speech, okay, is a phrase with a separate meaning than from its literal interpretation. So Jesus is trying to teach something and he has this village sheepfold in mind as he goes to the door. He says, I'm the shepherd. I have a flock in there. Now that flock is all of Judaism we find out from parallel texts. And Jesus can call people to himself as the shepherd, offer them salvation. Jesus saying, I come to the door, the gatekeeper recognizes me as the authenticated Messiah who has the right to enter the door and call the sheep whom he selects. And he says, I open the door, the gatekeeper passed me and I lean in and I call out my sheep by name. Chris, Doug, John, Kyle, Gabe, Judy, Darla, Kim, I'm using our staff. <laughs> Come on, guys. Come on. See what Jesus was doing, he was calling out those from within the flock to himself, and he would guide them out and be the shepherd. And he's sharing this illustration that there were religious leaders, they were trying to get into the flock and have them follow their ways. And they would abuse their sheep. They were bad shepherds. And they wanted to hurt those sheep and use them for their own personal gain. But the good shepherd, he don't go over the fence. He don't go over the stone. He comes through the door because he has access. And not only does he whistle for his sheep that many sheep did, Jesus said to those disciples, I know y'all see these shepherds whistling for their sheep. I do better. I call them by name. And they come to me and I lead them out. The sheepfold in the village bring so much energy to this and so much excitement to the fact that Jesus is the shepherd who chose me and called me to himself and he knows me by name but then Jesus does something confusing he drops another double amen he knows they don't understand what he's actually trying to say he says this truly truly I say to you I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Jesus, I I thought you were the shepherd. I am the door. This is the third of seven I am statements. Whenever you see I am statements, you're reading the gospel of John. For John is the only one to record the I am statements. And each I am statement is descriptive of Jesus and gives us a better knowledge of who he is. The more you understand your shepherd, the more you understand your leader, the better you'll follow in seasons of discouragement, fear surrounding you. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the door. Now, I like to watch some college football. There's one specific team. They don't call themselves Ohio State. They say the Ohio State. What are they saying? We're not just a college. We're the college, right? So whenever you add something like I am the, you're saying we're superior. Jesus didn't say I am a door. There's a bunch of different doors. I'm one of them. Hey, there's a bunch of different doors. I'm one of them. He says, no, no, no. I am the door. The door and understanding he's the door, he says this. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He offers safety, liberty, support. He offers the abundant life. The thief, you know what he does? He comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and do have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Okay. You're the door. I'm the door. You're the only way. I'm the only way. But I thought you were the shepherd. I am the shepherd. Okay, Jesus. In all humility. Are you the shepherd or are you the door? And Jesus responds, yes. Well, no, 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 i want to ask again. Are you the shepherd are you the door? Yes. Okay, I was really tracking with the illustration. Jesus goes up, calls his sheep by name. Okay, but when you drop, you're the door. I'm having trouble understanding that. And this is the power of historical background. There was another kind of sheepfold that the disciples would have known well. And that was the sheepfold, not in the village that had multiple flocks that the shepherd came to and had a gatekeeper standing by. There was a flock, a sheepfold on a countryside. Shepherds would take their sheep out to pasture and they wouldn't be able to return back to the village. And so while the sheep were out at shepherd, you know what they did, or out out on the pasture, you know what they would do? They would build a little flock, a, a, a little sheepfold for them. And they would often do it out of stone. And these weren't big, these weren't huge, and they were just for the shepherd's flock while they're out of pasture. And and the, the shepherd would build stone all the way around and he'd take them in, for he knew if he let them wander all night, off they go, prone to wander, Lord, the sheep feel it. I heard one story of a modern day shepherd share that he lost over 300 sheep off a cliff because one of his sheep got out of his sight and went off one and they followed him. A few of them lived because of the pile. Shepherds know sheep are livestock that must be shepherded or off they'll go. And so they built these little sheepfolds up on the countryside. Well, they didn't have doors. And you can't, you can't ask the sheep to climb over the fence. None of them are that very athletic. They're not like, oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get large here and run and jump. No, it's not gonna happen. It's meh. Okay, he, build up the, he could build up that high, like two feet, and they would be like, oh, we are stuck. Okay? So the shepherd would do this, but then he didn't have a door. Now remember, are you the shepherd that goes to the door and calls me out? Yes, I am. How are you, my door? Here's what he'd do, he'd build it all around, he'd build the sheepfold all around, and then there was a door, and so the shepherd, he'd do this at night. He'd say, all right, I got you, in, in. He would tap them as they go in, he'd count them. One, two, three, count them. Doug, Chris, John, yep, there you go. In, in. You know what they do out in the countryside, those shepherds? You know how they came up with the door? Let this speak. All you struggle with anxiety and fear, let this speak. Go to bed, guys. The shepherd would become the door. And what you have in front of you is an illustration Jesus, are you the shepherd or are you the door? Yes. Wait a minute. If you're the shepherd and the door, that means you're a keeper. That means you're a Shema. That means you're a guardian. That means you're a bodyguard. That means you're my guard. And, and this beautiful imagery of Jesus sitting by the door begins to take root and take power because we are sheep and we're out and we're on this pilgrimage. Remember Psalm 23? We go through a lot of things on our journeys. Ups and downs, we go through unease, but he provides, we go through change, but he leads us. We go through struggle and he restores us even when we're cast sheep laying on our back. I won't do it again because I broke the mic last week. But, but we'll restore But confusion, I will guide you. In danger, in the valley of the shadow of the death, I will be there. In conflict, I'll be loyal to you. In hardship, I will give you care. In uncom- when, you, when you feel uncertain, I will bring comfort. I'm that steady line in the ups and downs of traversing this side of earth. But I am your keeper. And I will guard you. And I will protect you because I am the door and nothing happens to you that goes through, doesn't go through me. And I am the shepherd, and there is nothing you will go through that I will not be right by your side. And one day I will call you home and put you in a sheepfold, and no one can snatch you out of my hand. This is spoken to me in such a way that I've never looked at doors the same. Have you ever thought through how many doors you may go through in one day? How many doors? Kids, you got your bedroom door? Someday you're gonna have a classroom door. PM kindergarten even. Someday you're gonna have a high school door. Someday you're gonna have a locker room door. Guys, remember going through the locker room wondering if you'll make the team? Someday you'll You'll have a friend's house door and you're wondering if they're gonna invite you over. Girls, going through all those strolls, you got doors. Someday you're gonna open your first car door. Grab a hold of the wheel. Someday you're gonna open a car door that you bought for your kid and close the car door. You're gonna need this. Someday you're gonna walk through a door for a job interview. All right, you're there, okay. Let's go. Someday, you're going to be in a room you shouldn't be. And you look at the door and you see him sitting there. And you go, I got to get out of this door. I got to get out of this door. God, thank you. How many doors do we go through in our lives? And I just wonder sometimes, were we given this illustration so that for the rest of your life, when you walk through a door, kids, when you're laying in the bedroom scared, whether it's parents or young couple going, okay, we just bought this. How are we gonna pay for this door? And and whatever it is, I am there it ought to change your prayer life. It ought to change your confidence level. It ought to change everything about you to picture doors in a totally different light than you ever did before. And I just wonder with all the doors out there that we go through, is it a living illustration? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here, I'm here, I'm your keeper. Is there a text? I mean, Chris, this is a nice illustration. We appreciate you thinking through this and I love the imagery of my shepherd sitting at my door. That is so much better than ATD or whatever they call it, right? Is there a passage that locks into this? I had a chaplain tell me One of my number one passages that I'm asked to read to people in the hospital is Psalm, anybody wanna guess? It was 23 last week. What's this one? Psalm 121. It's a passage that is called a psalm that speaks of the Shemar or the guardian, my keeper. David is the one we believe who shared it, but we know this, the psalmist has a really, really big God. I'll get David out, we're gonna read this psalm. David, for illustration purposes, is that little guy. I'm David's shepherd, I'm just acting, I'm not God, we all know that. And David wants to talk about his shepherd his great and mighty shepherd, his keeper, and why he doesn't walk through life afraid. He says this. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? This is a Psalm of Ascent. David's walking towards the hill. He says, I lift my eyes to the hill. Where's my help come from? My help comes from Not the hills, not the hills. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. His God is not just some God. His keeper is the powerful guardian. He's his creator. And you know what's exciting about that? That means there's nothing that his keeper can't protect him from. Nothing. And David tells us in Psalm 139, That his keeper, he's numbered his days even before he was born. He knows the first day David would be alive and he knows the day that David would not be alive here on earth and go to glory. He knows it all. And because of that, he knows there's nothing he can do to stop that. Christians walk around with this confidence. God knows when I'm gonna die. So I don't have to live afraid or have to live protecting myself. He's the ultimate guardian. All the days of my life are written. If I stay home the day I'm supposed to die, I'm still gonna die because that day is written. And so I can walk in security that I am indestructible in his hands until the day that he has set, written before I was even alive, for me to come into the sheepfold. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He, he continues, he says, He will not let your feet be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will not slumber or sleep. He says, Knowledge is my keeper, my powerful guardian. My keeper is the attentive watchman. He doesn't miss anything. You know, the most powerful CEO in the room, the most confident young woman, the most successful person, whatever this world says you are, the greatest athlete, whatever, all of you have to do something. You have to go to bed and go night, night. You wanna know why? Because you get tired, you get exhausted. David's shepherd, his keeper, doesn't have to sleep. He don't get tired, he stays up. He doesn't slumber nor sleep. My keeper is always on the watch. He's the most attentive watchman, which means, which means not only can he protect me from anything, there is nothing that tricks him or ever sneaks up on him in your life, nothing. He's attentive. Psalm 139, David says, where can I go from your presence? And the answer is nowhere. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord, scripture says, is not only your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day or the no nor the moon by night. The idea here is the pilgrim is headed towards Zion. He's going to worship. It's a psalm of ascent. And as the pilgrim's going, sometimes he's going during the day, sometimes he's going during the night. But the Lord promises to be his shade on his right hand. A champion would walk on the right side and cast his shadow over the person to the left side. But protection or shade speaks to the fact that I will protect you. He is the protective defender. That means there is never a time he is not protecting me, never a time. There's nothing he cannot protect me from, David says. There's nothing that tricks him or sneaks up on him, and there is never a time he is not protecting me. He goes before me into any room, and he comes behind me as I enter. Scripture tells me He hemmed me in before and behind. God's going into that room ahead of me, and He's going to follow me into that room if that's where He's called me. He goes with me. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Remember, keep, shamar, guard. He will guard you from evil. He will guard your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. Why? Because He's the good shepherd from this time forth and forever more. David says, my keeper is the loyal shepherd and no one cares about me more than him. I was sitting with a father whose son was not doing well and was hospitalized and they didn't know if the son was gonna make it. Young man, middle school age. And I was watching this father just grind through this struggle and this suffering that we deal with on this side of our pilgrimage. And he said something to me so powerful. It spoke comfort into my life as a young dad. I had only had two kids at that time, but it spoke comfort to me. He said, one of the things that's comforting me right now is that I know God loves my son more than me. How am I? what? God loves your son more than you. I knew how much this dad loved his son. God loves him more than me. And I got thinking about that. God does love my kids more than me. He gave his life, he shed blood for them. I can trust him to be their guardians. He's a loyal shepherd. And so David had following him a keeper. Who was four things any bodyguard could ever be? David had a powerful guardian, an attentive watchman, a protected defender, and a loyal shepherd. Who's your keeper? Who's your keeper? The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want you to have a big, gigantic shepherd. He wants you to have a little God. That's God. That's what the enemy wants. And when your God's that small, I got to take care of myself. Okay, we've got to get more security cameras. We've got to get something around the house. We need to get some weaponry in this place. I've got—I mean—I mean somebody's going to come. I mean somebody's going to—I got all your days numbered. No, I mean I only—I mean I—I got to protect. I got to keep myself alive. Okay, I mean attentive watching. I mean is anybody watching? I mean you see what's going on in the news? I mean if that—if that keeps happening ten years from now, you understand what it's going to be like. I mean I'm not going to take that. If I took that, you know what could happen to me? I mean I got to protect myself. I mean oh my word, I've got nobody. I mean this is crazy. And that's what the enemy wants, child of God. He wants you to have a little God, and you got to take care of yourself, but you're just a little lamb. And if the enemy can have your God be that small, then anxiety will win the day. You say, Chris, I get it. I wanna track with you, here's some tidings of comfort, here's some tidings of comfort. God, here it is, promises to keep us so that he can instill comfort within us. I, 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 want, I want a bigger God, but you understand, I mean, it's, David did get a sunburn, right? Shade, keeps him by the shade. I mean, evil things did happen to David, right? Didn't he lose a few wars? Yeah, he did. So, So I mean, I'm just afraid sufferings on the other side of that door. I'm afraid for my family. I'm afraid something. I mean, can somebody, can he just stand in front of it? I mean, I, mean, I, I want this. I want this. I, I, I really want this, but I just feel like something's coming through that door and anything that comes through that door has to be filtered through God. He wasn't even allowed to attack Job without God allowing it and God shepherded Job right through it. And doubly blessed him in the end. God promises to keep us so that He can instill comfort within us. But, but I mean, I want to believe the promises that, that God He'll keep us from all these things. But, my, but, 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 Chris, my wife is dead. But Chris, my son, my my son, my son's fifteen with cancer. I want to believe that, but I'm dealing on this side of eternity. You will deal with sin and the suffering that comes with it. You will deal with sinners who will hurt you and wound you, and you will do it to others. And you will deal with Satan, your enemy. Difficult things happen to my children, but that doesn't make me a bad shepherd. I'm a bad shepherd. When I don't help them with their difficulties. I don't help them pick them up when they fall. I don't go through it with them. I don't offer them comfort. And that's what Jesus said I'll do on this side of earth. I promise to keep you. But how can you say that? Because we struggle because we only think with an earthly mindset. We think of earth as our citizenship instead of glory. We don't look at this time as a pilgrimage. We look at it as everything. And so for us, dying is like the worst thing that could happen when in reality, it's entering the sheepfold to be safe forever. I mean, we look at life with a timeline that has such a wrong perspective at times. We think everything is all my days, all this time on earth, but God is ever true to his promises, 1 Corinthians 1, 9 tells us. He gives us promises, not just for this time, I have all my days right here. I'm hoping we're towards the end, by the way. But forever, he has the entire timeline. When God wrote the promises of Scripture that people go, it says this, but this isn't true in my life. Well, it may not just be temporal, but also eternal. When God wrote these promises, you have an eternal God, God breathing this text to us. When he put these promises in here, he looked at those promises from his perspective. He is the God of eternity past and eternity future. He knew before Chris was born how many days he would live. He knew this time on earth where creation was, but he also knows what Chris is going to be like in the eternal state because he sees him forever. He knows what I'm going to be doing 500,000 years from now. And he wrote his promises to Chris Heller based on his perspective, not just an earthly perspective, and he put it into a book and it's still speaking to me today and can speak only into my life now, but forever because this book is alive. I know what a dead animal looks like and I know what a live animal looks like and a live animal breathes this book is breathing it's active it's alive and that's why it still speaks and god's promises are not just for this time on earth but forever god has an eternal view in mind when he writes his promises guys that's tidings of comfort that's tidings of comfort the lord is your keeper you know, I, I want to finish with this. Every week, I want to give you a tiding of comfort. God gives comfort to us so that He can comfort through us. Um, there are folks of you, and you might be watching online, and, and this might be you, or you might be in the house or in a watchroom. I just want to speak to you for just our last four minutes. There are people that are really going through severe anxiety right now, severe. Um, they understand what a panic attack feels like. And uh, if you don't know what that feels like, um, they know. If I I describe this, you're gonna say Chris is me. Um, Their heart begins to feel painful. They get shooting ghost pains at times. They can't eat, there's like something in their stomach. Their breathing gets heavy, they can even break out in a sweat like they have a cold. It comes over them, they don't know why it comes, Trigger, something triggers it and, and they go into these things and, and the people around them say, knock it off or grow up, what's wrong with you? But they're struggling with severe anxiety, it's happening in young people all the way through senior saints, especially in the day period where everything you turn on is fear, 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 fear. I got an anxiety hack for you, especially if it attacks you late at night. This'll work for the youngest kid out there who's a child of God all the way through the most senior saint. It's Psalm 139. I was given this wisdom by somebody else. They said, Chris, I want you to read Psalm 139. Whenever you feel fearful, I was given to this when I was in college at a camp. I want you to read through Psalm 139. Here's what I want you to do. Whenever you see a personal pronoun, I want you to put your name in. You remember those books when you were a little kid? You got your name in and you're like, oh, that's my name, I was Christopher Robin, so I was in every Winnie the Pooh book. But this is an anxiety hack. I mean, you can go on Google and you can look, okay, get, get, get oils or, you know, get Epsom salt, listen to calm music, breathe heavily. Those things are okay. And they, there, are, there are some value to some of those physical things. But, but I want to actually give you something that will speak into any anxious night here as I close. It's been comforting me. I want to comfort you. It's Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched Chris and you know Chris. You know when Chris sits down and you know when Chris rises up. You discern Chris's thoughts from afar. You put your own name. Even before a word was on my tongue, behold, Lord, You knew it all together. You hem Chris in behind and before. And you laid your hand upon Chris. Hey man, it's time to go to bed. I know. I know. It's gonna be a tough quiz. You'll get it. You'll get it. Hey. Where can land and go from your spirit? Where can land and flee from your presence? You got him, Lord, right? If I ascend, if Chris ascends into heaven, you're there. Hey man, I like your apartment. All right, just get good grades. Call me if you need gas. God's here. If Carter takes the wings of the morning and dwells in the othermost parts of the sea. When you start realizing every door your kids, every door your wife, every door your husband, when you start realizing your keeper is with you. And he's a big keeper and he's a massive keeper. And he says, I'm the door. And I'm also the shepherd. Don't let the devil lie to you and speak fear into your life. I will go with you and I will keep you. I know my sheep. And here's why 139 will speak so powerfully to you. Because if the Holy Spirit is inside of you and you hear your name and you hear that text, you hear that voice and you know that voice. Sheep know this voice. There's a lot of strange voices out there, but sheep know this voice. And when's the last time teenager, you read a paper Bible? When's the last time college student, you spent 45 minutes reading scripture straight? not not scrolling through instagram when's the last time you got to hear his voice facebook ain't gonna do it it's his voice and when you hear his voice sheep you're going to respond and it's going to work on that anxiety and it's going to guide you through life and it's going to change the way you pray tidings of comfort If you're out there today and you don't know if you've got this shepherd, (laughs) Jesus says, even today, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I'll come in and I'll be their savior. Scripture's clear, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. The shepherd's the only way And the shepherd's the one coming through the door. Heavenly Father, today, wherever we're at, may you speak to us and may we as your sheep hear your voice. God, we need it. We need scripture so bad. And the enemy keeps scaring us and distracting us. And throw in lies and fear and all the things around us. Yes, Lord, we want to walk in prudence. We want to walk in wisdom. We want to walk in humility. But we can't operate by fear. And the only way to do that is to hear the shepherd's voice called to us and to follow him. Lord, I pray today that we would never walk through another door the same again. Amen.